0: Welcome back to another episode of the Pivot and Go podcast. Thank you for joining me this week. You could be doing anything. You could be anywhere, but you're spending your time with me. And I'm not going to take that for granted. We're going to pour a ton of value into you. And this guy who I have on today, I don't even know how to describe him, to be honest with you. He is just one of the most impactful, influential an important people to me in my life. He has done so many great things, growing massive company, an unbelievable entrepreneur, one of the best speakers in the world, a best-selling author, an amazing husband and father, and has so much value to bring on this episode. Ed let My brother Ed Milet brings it. We go in depth on leadership. What it actually is, flipping it on its on its head. How you can take tools to be able to become a great leader in your sphere. What the future of leadership looks like and a lot more. It's it's one of the most genuine deep thinkers that I know. He looks like Hulk Hogan himself, but he is a very sweet soul with unbelievable high iq and deep thoughts and you're going to take a lot away from this so grab your notebooks the pens buckle up because here we go ed
1: my let's man hey this is such an honor and a pleasure to have you on And we are reaching hundreds of thousands of leaders oh. throughout the world and just when I think of the epitome of leader, you're a name that comes to my mind. You thank have you. led me through a lot, taken me under your wing. But just the impact that you have on so many people, man, thank you so much for being
2: on this. I love you. And it's an honor to do anything with you. So, you know that this is <laughs> this is like dude, my, one of my best friends and I just talking. and everyone gets to listen in. So it's great.
1: <laughs> Thanks, brother. I reciprocate that to the max. All right. Start us off with a bang. Something maybe not everybody necessarily knows about Ed Mylett We see this super successful, great leader guy, but yeah, something a little different, Ed. Uh,
2: well, I'm a laugher, so I'm a comedy club addict. <laughs> so people <he laughs> ask me, what do you do in your spare time? Yeah, I live ways. up I play golf, but you he said, hey, if you could be anywhere, I'd be with my wife at a comedy club. So... That's why if you love watch that. my show, a lot of the people on there, people are like, you have a lot of comedians and UFC people on. You know, like, if you distill it down. <laughs> well, those guys are guys I work with that I coach, but I love comedy clubs. I love to laugh. And the other reason I love to go to comedy clubs, I think they're the best public speakers. If you can walk in a room full of strangers and just grab a microphone and 30 seconds later they're laughing at what's coming out of your mouth, it's incredible. So they're the best storytellers, best public speakers, how they set up things, how they pause. I just think they're brilliant people. And so I probably most people would not know on any given weekend, you know, pre the shutdown stuff, you'd find me in a comedy club. And even on most weekends, I'm watching some comedian on TV or listen to their podcast.
1: Oh, I love that, man. How about that? You step into an audience, an arena that they are expecting, expecting to laugh and you have to perform in that. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy it's not easy. Have you done it where you can go to places where you can step on stage for like five minutes, ten minutes and work on some of your own stuff? You want to do that with me?
2: I would do, want that, to go do that for sometimes? sure and I have done it once. So there, I won't say who it was because it, it's coming out soon but awesome. I, one of the guys came out and did an impression <laughs> of me and, uh, and then like I'm laughing, you know half the people are laughing but it's an impression <laughs> of me oh, Max and then he called me up and he goes give him five minutes of your best stuff which was just horrible horrible right I've never been more nervous in my life I've spoken in front of 50,000 people at one time there's yeah. probably 65 people in this room and I was absolutely terrified but I would love to get up and try I love the unknown I love the risk of it I love I yeah. might tank you know yeah. I might tank here I just love that about speaking in general so let's do it man I'm in
1: okay I'm gonna get our crew together I'll get John I'll get well, I'll get Irwin well, we'll get our crew together and we'll go we'll all go do it and see who gets the most laugh it mean, we'll definitely oh, not yeah. be me and that would
2: be hilarious we should do that
1: Hey, but you know, one thing most people don't know about you is how great a storyteller you are. I remember that dinner and you were like literally had me on the edge of my seat. Every story you told that is that's the way to show leadership like leadership is done through storytelling. Jesus talked in parables. Everything was in stories with impactful points. Yeah, I think that's what great leaders really know and understand and do. So my question for, for all the leaders out there that we're going to speak to is what is a big blind spot? that you see in leadership today? Like, where are people just swinging and absolutely missing?
2: Well, I'm glad you used the greatest leader of all time in Jesus, and I think one of the big blind spots Amen. for leaders is selling a big dream, selling a huge vision. So you gotta sell a big enough dream, a big enough vision as a leader that the dreams of everybody within your stewardship can fit inside of it. And you gotta be conscious and cognizant about doing it for your company, a big dream of, of all the things you're gonna accomplish, the change you're gonna make, what it could mean to people. Leaders sell stuff too small. Do you think about of all the great traits of Jesus, the greatest trait of Jesus is the dream he sold fits in all of us that we can have everlasting life for salvation, right? So it's the ultimate of all the big dreams is the one he sold us. And so if that's true that we've all bought, right? If that's true as a leader, you got to sell a big dream. You got to be evangelical about your cause and your mission, and so big that all your clients, all your customers, if you're a father or a mother, you got to sell a big dream to your family of what you're going to do yes. together and where you're going, what you stand for. So I'm conscious of that with my children. I'm conscious of that when I speak. I'm conscious of that in my business life. I'm conscious of it with our friendships. If you really think through some of the things we talk about, I'm sort of selling a dream of where we're going, what we're going to accomplish, what we can all do together. That's infectious. And they're never going to achieve more than you sell them. So if you create a small little world, that's the one they stay in. So sell a big dream and a big vision.
1: Ooh, that's great. Sell too small. In fact, we put these limitations, these ceilings on us. There's no such thing as an actual ceiling. And I love how you brought it back to Jesus as well. Like Jesus being the best leader was asked, I'm going to butcher this, like something like he was asked like 319 questions, but only answered three of them. He would always respond with a question. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I I think true leadership, the best leadership is not just people that listen. Listening isn't just about hearing, but it's about actively asking questions, Mm -hmm. which you would do a phenomenal job on your podcast. Thank you. So when people look at leadership, And they think, okay, it has to be me telling. What do you think we should tell those type of people? Because I think it's it's, it's much more to teach a man how to fish than to give a man how to fish. How do we actually embrace that as leaders?
2: That's a terrific question. I had this huge breakthrough a few years ago as a leader. Uh, You know, and this is a subtle distinction that most people will never really get. That You're constantly trying to persuade people in your life to believe what you're saying. But the truth is, great leaders, the re- requirement is not that people believe what you're saying. It's that people believe you believe what you're saying. There's a difference. Uh-huh. So yeah. when you're yeah. trying to get people to believe everything you say all the time, that comes across like a beggar. It comes across almost desperate. It comes across needy. It's not a real powerful transfer of energy. The subtle difference with the great leaders, especially Jesus, was that you didn't need to believe what he was saying. You need to believe that he believed what he was saying. As a result, you believed. And so... It's such a great point you made about the fact that he was constantly asking questions. One of the things that you do where people believe you believe it is you're comfortable enough in your message, in your leadership, that you don't always have to be talking at them, that you can talk with them, that you can connect with them, that you're curious mm. about them. Mm. You mentioned my show. I honestly, I do ask a lot of questions. I'm genuinely interested in people. If there was no camera on us yeah. and you, there, we were in an Uber together, you know this, man. I'm talking to the Uber driver. Tell me where you're yeah. from. How many yeah, kids I do you know. have? How did you end up doing this? Yeah. What else do you do? Is this what you want to do forever? You know where'd you grow up? And you, I love people's stories. I love to hear them. Genuinely curious about them. So don't get people to believe what you're saying. Get them to believe you believe what you're saying. That little shift can make a big difference in your leadership.
1: Huge. Love how you hit that word "curious." That's exactly. If you go into every conversation, and you're curious about the other person. You're you are going to be able to lead them because yeah. of that. Showing that hey, you really actually truly care about care. right. And I see you as one of the most, well, I think of confidence, too. I think of you as one of the most confident people. But do you doubt yourself? Do you yeah. have that a self-doubt that sits in?
2: Yes, often. And that's where faith is really committed. Yeah. I'm so glad that we're talking about faith today. My comfort and my strength oftentimes is not in me, but in that I've got a Father in heaven who loves me, that will protect me, that will give me the wisdom in the moments that I need it most. So, yes, I doubt myself. In fact, I would say that if you meet anybody who's, maybe worked on themselves pretty hard like you and I have. I had to get into personal development, self-help, and growing my mind and, and and diving deep into those different things because I just needed to get to a baseline functioning person in self-confidence. I struggled tremendously as a child with low self-esteem, low self-confidence. I was small. My dad was an alcoholic. You know, I was teased a lot at school. I was bullied. I wasn't really overly bright in school. I wasn't the dumbest guy. There's nothing. I used to think as a kid, what is special about me? What is it that I'm even good at? You know, I, I could never find anything. I was a good athlete, kind of like you. Finally, when I kind of grew into my body, I'm like, now this place, this is hard work type stuff. I wasn't the most gifted or the fastest, the biggest or the strongest. But if I worked really hard here, if I was coachable, I was that coach's pet. I was that guy leaning and listening to the coach all the time. And I think <laughs> what true, makes man. a good leader is a good follower first that I was willing to suck up everything the coach wanted to tell me. I I would walk and talk like my coach. So I think, yeah, I definitely struggle with, with my self-confidence. To this day, I still have doubts. I still have imposter syndrome. Frankly, man, if we're being completely honest, there are oftentimes, yeah. a, I, why are they listening to me? If they knew how screwed up I <laughs> yeah. was, if they knew all the self-doubt I had, if they knew all my sins, if they knew all my mistakes – Why are they listening to me? And sometimes I literally have an out-of-body type experience when it's a really well-known person that I'm coaching. I'm like, I am literally, I have so-and-so on the (laughs) edge of their seat. Do they have any idea how screwed up I am? You know what I mean? Like I think about that all the time, yet, you know what? God's opened so many doors for me in my life. And as you know, he doesn't, you know, call the qualified, right? Hmm. He qualifies the called. And so, I I just feel that I'm called to do it and he'll qualify me in the moments that I need it most.
1: I love how you said that though, that that you do that yourself. It makes you real. And that's one thing that I think is so powerful about your leadership is is people can relate. Mm -hmm. Yes, you've done so much. You've accomplished so much, but you're not afraid to be vulnerable. You're not afraid to actually step ahead. Hey, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. And most of the times when I step into a room, give a talk, like I, I don't know what I'm doing in there, but you just act like you do. And,
2: it's incredible so point that you of being, say that. If that's true about you, because you're such an incredible communicator, you just did, Your <laughs> folks don't know this, You just did an event for me. It was one of the best talks I've ever heard in my life. I mean, legitimately in my life. So it's amazing that you feel that. the same way.
1: I appreciate that, man. And you touched on a point of coachability. Mm-hmm. The best leaders, like the best players that I've worked with, some of the highest level NBA players, they want to be coached. Yep, that's Hard. the difference. And I think for leaders in the church or wherever you might be, if if you aren't seeking out guidance and counsel and just iron sharpens iron from the people around you to be coachable, like you're going the opposite way. So talk to talk about how important the the brotherhood, the community, the cultivating relationships is towards high level growth and leadership.
2: Well, the first thing is that people that are coachable are confident. They're willing to submit to somebody because they've got enough confidence in themselves that they want the feedback. I mean, Jesus rebuked the apostles, right? Rebuke and counsel and correction is a part of life. And the reason we were willing to receive coaching is, A, we have self-confidence, and B, we trust the person who is coaching us. So if if you're a leader and you're having a hard time with people regularly not being coachable with you, that's a you problem, not a them problem if something keeps showing up in your leadership over and over again with different people, it's not those people, it's you. And so if people aren't coachable with you regularly, it means they don't trust that they're safe with you. Now, if you yourself are not coachable regularly with different coaches, that means you are not in a position where you either trust them or you were coachable enough. And so for me, it's my favorite people and the best athletes, the best business people, the best fathers and mothers that I know, they have a very slight nuance that they tread a line. And it's a line of tremendous self-confidence combined with humility. Those are the people Mm -hmm. that I love the most in my life. Now, I know a bunch of people with a bunch of self-confidence that don't have that humility and I don't want to be around them. And they usually make mistakes long-term that fry. I also know people with a bunch of humility. And by the way, in the faith community, this is very common, humble people with a bunch of humility, but there's no self-confidence to toe that line where they can handle coaching. And so, Humility allows you to be curious and want to learn. Self-confidence allows you to receive the information and not take it personally and demoralize yourself that you're not good enough when you get it. So you got to increase both of those, humility and self-confidence.
1: Man, that is is gold. When you're telling me that answer, man, I I was wondering, is there a question that I can ask Ed in any realm that he won't just have, like, these amazing answers to? Yes. Uh, I don't think there is. I haven't found it yet. I have not found it yet. Thank you. Hey, so... On the point of all this self-development, everything that we hear, that we listen to, that we learn is great. But back in the day, before the, the Socrates and the Aristotle, the pre-Socratic area, there was this term called techne. And techne means doing. And it kind of got lost in all this, everything of so, this, oh, you know, the Socratic society and the thinkers and the thinkers. And, and that's great. And that's, that's part of it. But this term of doing got lost. And I think, I think the best form of leadership and the best gratitude that we can show to God is he gave us this gift. He gave us this passion. And if we don't go all in on it, like I don't care if you're obsessed with being the best coffee maker, being barista person there is. If you're super passionate about it, like right. using that gift that God gave you is the greatest form of gratitude yeah. and is a great form of showing leadership. So all that being said, do you find it that people are too concerned with. The the knowledge, the hearing, the listening, the learning,
0: and there's not enough doing.
2: Yeah, and they're under the false belief system that uh, listening passively is the best way to gain knowledge and information. Typically, in any endeavor, one hour of experience is equivalent to about 100 hours of classroom, Zoom, reading, or auditory Mm -hmm. learning. Experience is the great teacher. And for me in my life I have found that most people have this threshold of how much they need to know before they'll take an action and for the people that are the most successful the most happy that threshold is much lower in other words the barometer of what I must know to act is smaller and lower than the people that fail the people that fail it's they got to know so much before they'll step in and really what you're doing there is you are a you are someone who is not living your life by faith you're not Because if you had faith, you were willing to step into spaces you were ill prepared for where you don't have all the information. That's what faith is. I have a faith that there's a God that's got my back, that if I will show that faith, if I will step in boldly in faith into a space with limited information, that he will fill that space up with me when I need to know, what I need to know, from whom I need to know it. My life is a product of that. I've stepped into all kinds of different spaces, businesses, personal situations that I was not completely prepared for, didn't have all the information. And the truth is, for me, it's the divine inspiration, the divine message that I get, the words. Even when you and I are talking, have you ever given a speech, bro? You're like, I don't even know where that came from. That's the Holy Spirit. Right. The Holy Spirit can't <laughs> surround you if you're standing still and not willing to step into the spaces <laughs> where the spirit's with you. So the spirit's with you all the time. But when you step into the unknown, that's when it comes in to comfort you and give you wisdom. Ooh. So if you're a person of faith, you should be regularly stepping into spaces you think you are not prepared for because, you know, you've got a father in heaven who's not going to abandon Amen. you in those moments. He's with you all the time and he's there to support you when you step into those spaces. So for me, I actually remind myself of those. When I walk on a stage, people say, what do you do before you speak? Last thing I do, I literally pray. I literally see the Lord's face, literally a picture of his face, a picture of putting his arms around me and hugging me. And then I go out there and try to do his work. That's the truth. That's the last thing I see when I walk on stage is that because I'm not prepared for every audience, every crowd, every boardroom, every meeting, every gym session. I just worked out today with a dude who is infinitely stronger than me. I was going to blow my shoulders out. A really well-known guy. Fitness guy. God protected me. I was cool, and I learned a little bit more how to get my shoulders like that guy because I stepped in faith.
1: Man, God, that is powerful. I am running that back every single morning when I wake up. That was awesome, man. And you're right. Have you ever, like, I always find this. If I'm a little bit nervous, I mean, I get nervous before I step on stage or a little bit scared, and I step in there, I've never regretted it afterwards. It's always the feeling of Man, I grew from that. And the way I look at it, too, is, hey, if I go on this stage and I completely flop, I've got a great story to tell in my next talker. I've got a great story in my book. And at the end of the day, those people in the room don't control my joy. I know I have God. I know I have my wife. And that's all I need. So Brother, living in that simplicity, exactly what I do,
2: I, I, I mm. literally do that. I failed so many times in my life in the moment that ended up being victories. And, you know, there's a great oh. thing that you say, know sometimes God's greatest gifts are prayers that we have that don't get answered because he's got a bigger plan for us. Lord, let me crush this talk today. And I walk out. I didn't crush it, but I learned. I've got a hilarious dinner story for when me and you have dinner. Right? Or I grew <laughs> from it. Like, there's, I, 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 if everything I was doing was successful, how boring would I be? Man, you wouldn't story have any stories. Right? Totally, like, totally. By the way, here's the ultimate example of that. If we're going to get really deep. Do you want to know why life is so precious, the physical part of our life? Because there's death. Mm. There's death. So if there was no death, where we get everlasting life, what would be the purpose of life? And the fact that our physical body doesn't exist at one point makes us appreciate the one we have and the life we have. So it is the failure of the body, ultimately. This is deep, but the failure of our physical body, ultimately, that makes the beauty of living now so incredible. So failure is a magnifier of the beauty of the good. And it's a perspective gatherer. So that's the ultimate example. If you can track that back to every part of your life, failure is a pretty beautiful thing most of the time.
1: Wow. Please tell me that is in your book coming out because that, I have not heard it said like that before. And that brings a lot of impact and makes a ton of sense.
2: You yeah, that's you. I'm, I'm in my eighth chapter right now, so I will add it.
1: <laughs> please, please, please add that in there. And I'm telling you, man, every time I have a conversation with you, we go deep. And now we're not afraid to go deep. I think that's on the surface. Yeah. People are too afraid of what other people think. And leaders are afraid of what other people might say. But you have to be bold. You have to stand for what you know is real and true and know in Jesus. So the last question I have for you before we get off here, man, I'd love to talk to you all day. We could go back and well, forth. Is That's Thank you for your time. Are you kidding me? What is next? In leadership, what is being a next level or a uh, a future leader look like in this this world in this society that we live in?
2: I think the world needs this too. You know, when I was young, my I was a professional athlete. I thought, and it ended. in my dad had gotten sober, came home from an AA meeting, and he's. I was living at his house with my college degree and you know no income, eating out of his fridge every day. And he goes, hey, I got you a job tomorrow. I'll show up there. I'm like, well, what is it? He goes, you don't get to pick because you're sitting on my couch. Right. So go to this <laughs> job. Anyway, it turns out it was an orphanage and all the boys that were there were wards of the court. So my, I walked into Cottage 8. It changed my life and it's formed my leadership philosophy. Truly. I don't think I would be this way without it. It was a blessing from God. Again, a failure. Baseball failed. Yep. Couldn't find a job. Failed. an hour job, greatest thing of my life. My boys were molested by their parents. Their parents were incarcerated or their parents were dead. And I walked into Cottage 8. They're getting ready for school. And all these little 8-year-old boys turned and looked at me. I was completely ill-prepared to be a father, a big brother, a psychologist. None of it. I had no background in any of it. But God put me there. And what these boys wanted, I took them to school. I was there when they went trick-or-treating. I was there for Christmas Day. It changed my life as a young man. You know what each of those boys wanted? They wanted a man in their life who loved them, who cared about them, who believed in them, and who could just show them how to do a little bit better, live a little bit better. And I believe that that's the ultimate leadership philosophy. If we could have a world of leaders, I'm talking about our countries, of churches, of businesses, of families, of communities, where their primary focus was, I love people, I care about people, I believe in people, and I show them how to live and do a little bit better. If that could be the overriding philosophy of the leaders we build in this country, imagine what you don't see. What I just described, whatever your politics are, can you imagine if we had a leader that was loved people, cared about people, believed in people, showed them how to live a little bit better? To me, that's a leader people will follow. That's a leader that people will allow to make mistakes. That's a leader who could create real change. And we need that in our churches. Mm-hmm. We need more pastors, but not just pastors. We need people that are sitting there every Sunday. They turn I love you. I care about you. I believe in you. Let me help you. That's a leader in a church. That's a leader in a family. That's a leader on a sports team. Hey, man, I love you. I believe in you today. If you're the seventh man coming off the bench right you with some basketball, I believe in you, right? And you're helping them with their shooting, you're helping them do a little bit better. If that could be your philosophy, to me, we would have a better world, better businesses, better churches, just a better experience here on earth.
1: Man, isn't isn't that crazy how it's it's the serenity in the simple where it is just love like we want to try to complicate everything so much. But if you can just look at the person next to you, and be like, how can I love on them? That's why I love you so much, man. Every text message we talk about, you're like, I love you, brother. I love you. Like, that's real. Yeah. And that is love.
2: David, I got to tell you something. I'm not just saying this because we're doing this. I know we're wrapping up. You are incredible at that. You Thank really you. exemplify that. As I'm describing that, you're giving me nice... You you literally live your life that way. You're that way with everybody that you interact with. And it's one of the reasons I admire you so much. And it's one of the reasons we've become close quickly. Because I see you live that way. And I'm very, very proud of you for doing it. You are better at that than about anybody that I know. So I just want to acknowledge you for it. And man, that,
1: is true. that means so much to it me. It's just like, it's just when you think about it, like how, how blessed are we to have this life? How blessed are we to have this conversation? How blessed are we to have these people in our lives? Like, it does, it's almost not even fair. So, to not give back and to not pour into others just, I mean, it just doesn't seem right. So, thank you, man. That means a lot to me. And it means a lot to me that you would take your time and come on this for, for all these thousands and thousands of leaders. And I've told you this too. Like, this will have an impact on a lot of people. Your podcast has literally had. I've had people hit me up that said, and I listened to this episode and it, it saved my life. Like literally saved my life. So I encourage you, man. Yes. Other keep being the light you are. I know you will be. So thank you so much, man. Love you, man.